Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. It's Pentecost Sunday, so we're going to think about that a little bit today. Uh, and a few years ago, my car died completely. And it was not like one day I got up and it wouldn't start. It died on the A34 going back into Manchester. And the engine made some awful noises and then just stopped. And so we managed to push it into a Sainsbury's car park um, and to just wait uh, for the AA guy to come and collect me. I think I, that was our date night, and I think I was waiting there on my own for about six hours. That was uh, not the best date night ever. Um, and uh, we discovered that actually it needed a brand new engine. It was a known fault, so they gave us a free engine, which was lovely. Um, and, but I was in this car park, and obviously I was there for six hours, so a number of times I would pace around the car. And um, I thought, okay, I'm a, I'm a bloke, I need to at least open the bonnet and look at the engine. So I opened the bonnet, looked at the engine, I'm like, it looks absolutely fine to me, I don't understand what the problem is. There's no smoke coming from it or anything like that. And it was quite a frustrating thing, because it looked like a car still. It did look like a car. And if I turned the key, actually, lights would come on and things like that. So the battery was still working. And the engine still looked like an engine. But it was missing a very vital component, wasn't it? It was missing an engine that had any power in it at all. It's a very vital component in a car. And I want to talk a bit about this this morning, not about cars, but the idea of a powered church, a church which has a functioning engine in it. And we're going to look at one church in particular, uh, the first one in Jerusalem. Uh, And something very dramatic happened to them at Pentecost. Happened to a, a small group of people, smaller than all of CCM. We're about Um, 320, 350 people across Manchester and they were a much smaller group than that and yet that group of people were radically changed in a moment actually, it was a game changer for them Uh, and it set the template actually for all churches since then Uh, and when they were given power, when the engine was placed inside they actually sprang into life they ended up being scattered around Europe around Asia. If you look at the tradition of the the early church, it's thought that some of those people got into India as well. And history was made in that moment. And actually, I think probably all of world history changed on that moment because the church started to spread the gospel and good news of Jesus went from Israel to uh, the rest of the world. And so we're going to work our way through Uh, the story of the Jerusalem church. We're going to look at Acts 1 and 2 this morning. And we're going to see that that church was actually two completely different churches. There was the Acts 1 church and then the Acts 2 church. And same group of people, even the same venue for a moment, but it was before they had power, before there was an engine in the car, and after. And something happens in that moment that turns it all on its head. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Acts 1, but it will appear up behind me as well. So the Acts 1 church, we'll start at the the beginning. So Acts 1, in verse 4, Jesus says to them, so this is before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he said to them, look, while standing with them, he ordered them, he said, don't depart from Jerusalem, 
wait for the promise of the Father. And what was the promise? And he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then the disciples start to ask questions of Jesus. They're saying, look, when is your kingdom going to come to Israel? When will this uh, Jesus that they were talking to, who they'd now seen, killed and then come back to life? So they'd seen uh, him resurrected from the dead. They were saying, when are you going to take your throne on earth? And Jesus says, look, it's not for now. Oh, it's not for you to know. And then he says this, and this is a big clue about actually how Jesus will take his throne and has taken his throne. In verse 8 of Acts 1, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, Jesus said this because he was starting a whole kingdom movement. They were expecting him to actually sit on a throne in Jerusalem and become the king, like we are celebrating our queen and her uh, platinum jubilee at the moment. Actually, they expected Jesus to go and become the king of Israel to replace the Herods uh, and actually to be in charge of that nation, almost like a political leader. But that is not what Jesus had in mind. He knew that actually this was going to be a movement that would spread across the whole world, a powerful, world-changing movement And that needed power. That needed the Holy Spirit. You can't have an advancing kingdom without power. And so he tells them to wait. Now, after Jesus says this, he then ascends. He goes back up to heaven. And the disciples are stood there watching him. And then he's gone. And they find themselves standing on the side of a hill, looking into the sky. And that must have been a fairly unnerving moment. Think, well, what do we do now? He's he's gone up. He's not here anymore. What, What do we do? And they do exactly what Jesus tells them to do, actually. They go back to Jerusalem and they just wait, which is exactly what they were told to do. And while they were waiting, they did a few things. They were together, they prayed lots, and they organised their leadership. Okay, So just bear with me. But let's read Acts 1, 12 to 15. It says, They returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is where Jesus had ascended from, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers The company of persons was in all about 120 and said this. So what we can see is that they were together. Okay, Now you might think, well, why does that matter? Well, actually, it shows there was about 120 of them in that room at that moment. But after Jesus had died, before he was resurrected, that group scattered. Actually, they they went off to all sorts of different places. Some of them went back to uh, their jobs as fishermen. Others, we uh, discover, were walking along the Emmaus Road, and Jesus met them, uh, and they scattered. But then when Jesus was resurrected, he started appearing to them again, and he starts gathering them back together. Uh, And uh, they return at this moment to Jerusalem, and this is where Jesus begins to do his final teaching and his final instructions before he ascends. And so at this point, as they're being obedient to Jesus, actually they are sticking together. They're not, they're not fleeing at this moment. They know they need to wait. So community exists there. 
And I wonder if they maybe did something like we're going to do after our service today, whether they ate together, they spent time together. I'd imagine there was quite a lot for them to reflect on. They'd seen the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus. I'd imagine there were quite a few conversation topics as they grappled with all of these things. But that is the first New Testament church. Jesus had gathered them and they were now waiting. And what else did they do? Well, they devoted themselves to prayer. That's a good clue for if you find yourself in a time in life where you just have to wait, where you feel like it's not going as you wanted it to, life isn't quite what you expected, or even you don't understand what's happening. And I suspect some of the disciples were sat there going, I don't quite understand what's going on here. Well, devoting yourself to prayer is a very good thing to do in that moment. And then they organised their leadership. So a few verses on, it shows Peter getting up, teaching everybody, and the thing they talk about is they need to replace Judas, who had betrayed Jesus. They need another one to replace him in the 12 apostles. And at this point, it shows Peter becomes the leader of the group in this moment, and the 120 appear quite happy for that to take place and to follow his lead. So they let Peter organise and get things moving. Now, if we're going to be honest here, this moment, this sounds like a pretty good church, okay? They have community. They were together. They weren't running away from each other. Uh, They weren't running off back to their homes. They were together. They loved Jesus. Jesus had gathered them together. He told them to wait. They were being obedient to him. That's a great sign that they loved him. They were praying together, and they were letting their leaders get on with stuff and lead things. You think, okay, that seems like a reasonable church. Perhaps if you moved to Manchester and you were looking for a new church, some of those things might be on your hit list. Maybe you would look at their website in Jerusalem and think, yeah, that looks all right. And then we get to Acts 2. It says, Acts 2, verse 1 to 4, says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were doing what Jesus told them. They were together. They were waiting. They were waiting in this house. And then suddenly a move of God breaks out. This is the only way you can describe it. These are not natural phenomena that happens. There was a sound of rushing winds. Fire appears on all of their heads. They start speaking In foreign languages, the Holy Spirit has come down and power has come to them. And what is happening is exactly what Jesus promised. He said, look, John baptised you in water, but actually I'm going to baptise you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to baptise you in power. I'm going to baptise you into God. And Jesus has explained that when the Holy Spirit falls on them, two things would happen. He said, you will get power, and they will work out what that looks like. And then you will go on mission to the whole earth. And that is exactly what happens immediately. You might think, mission to the whole earth, well, that must have taken them a while. They'd have put together a strategy, raised some money perhaps for it. But actually, it happens almost immediately because the door bursts open. They go down into the street. Peter, their leader, starts to preach. And at that moment, 3,000 people repent and believe as Jesus, their Lord and Saviour. And amongst those 3,000 were people of many different nations who gave their lives to Jesus in that moment. 
And the church of Acts 2 suddenly looks very different to the church of Acts 1. Now, just a reminder, Acts 1 church, we're not giving them a hard time. They were praying together. They were waiting. They were loving Jesus. They'd organized their leadership. They were in community. Sounds like a good church. We're excited by what they were doing. And actually, the Acts 2 church carried on doing all of these things. If we read a little bit later in Acts 2, it says, they were together. All who believed were together, and they had all things in common. So actually, they were together, but it went up a notch. They were sharing what they had with each other. And if we read into that church a little bit, it shows that those who were wealthy sold what they had so that they could look after those that were poor. It says there was none that were poor amongst them. That's community went up a notch. Community got very powerful in that moment. And they were still praying. It says they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayers. They still carried on praying. And they were still listening to their leaders as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So those things were still happening. But what's happening now that wasn't happening before? Well, that original 120 completely changed. As individuals, I think their hearts were changed, their lives were changed. As a group, they were changed, their activity. I think their worldview and their outward behaviour changed as well. So like we said, after Jesus' death, they had scattered. Jesus pulled them back together. I told them to wait. But in that moment, there was no initiative, was there? There was no dynamism. Actually, they were doing exactly what Jesus told them, but they were very static as a group. They were just sat there and waiting. They just existed as the 120. But when the Holy Spirit moved, their instant reaction was to go outside and tell other people what happened, to tell other people about this Jesus. Their theology changed as well. Remember, they were asking Jesus, when are you going to become the king? When are you going to become the king in Jerusalem, effectively? When will you rule Israel? Their worldview was limited to just their own people group. But when power is poured out, when the Holy Spirit moves, actually there is instant impact on other nations. Jerusalem is packed at this moment with Jews from all over Europe, North Africa, Arabia, that's three continents, and they all get to hear this gospel at the same moment. When the Holy Spirit moves, actually, we end up going to the nations. I um, had the privilege of going to Cyprus just this week um, with a guy who would like to plant some churches in Cyprus. Uh, And actually, we got to see the Holy Spirit at work there in a number of different churches. We met uh, Greek Cypriot church leaders, Uh, we met Turkish Cypriot church leaders. Uh, We met leaders who uh, um, had a church in the Filipino community in northern Cyprus, all of these um, uh, largely Filipino women who were care workers and uh, servers in rich people's houses, uh, and they had a very powerful and dynamic church service. Um, But you can see as the Holy Spirit moved, actually the nations are reached. And they were no longer just a small gathering of 120, actually they became culturally diverse really very, very quickly. But it also says they shared generously with what they had. And when the Holy Spirit moves, we see financial miracles happen. We see the poor are helped. So one of my favourite times of the year, or two of my favourite times of the year in CCM is when we do Give Big, which we've just done. And uh, you might think, well, that's because you're a pastor, you need to boost the budgets. And there is some truth to that. But also on our November Give Big, all of it goes away. We give all of it away. We don't, CCM doesn't use any of it for itself. It all goes to other places. 
And that's the one where you see financial miracles happen. You see huge amounts of money come in from people you think, I don't know where they found that money. That's fantastic. People who have prayed and set money aside, perhaps for the whole year, so that they can give to the poor, so that they can give uh, to people to help them. I think when the Holy Spirit moves, we see that our normal self-centeredness changes, doesn't it? When the Holy Spirit moves, we, our hearts are changed for generosity, not for just looking after ourselves. And I think that says something about the inward impact on that 120. Actually, suddenly they became very outward looking. Also, it talks about how awe came upon them and there were signs and wonders. The normal rules of life change when the Holy Spirit moves. There's no other way of saying it. When the Holy Spirit moves, people who are sick can be prayed for and they stop being sick. So our school of ministry... Maybe a few months ago, we had um, a lady called Wendy Mann came in and taught. And uh, before she even started um, her, her talk, she stood at the front and said, there's somebody here who has a, a bad stomach complaint. And I was sat on about the fourth row and nobody put their hand up. And I was like, Wendy, that is not a good way to start your talk. Not a good at all. Uh, you needed to go for something a bit more simple. Uh, but then I turned and my friend who sat at the back had his hand in the air. And so Wendy pointed at me and another guy said, look, go and pray for him. So we went and prayed for him. Uh, and then Wendy prayed for the front over him. And then um, he comes up to me afterwards and says, my stomach feels loads better. Loads better. So we kept asking him in the week, how's it feel? He's like, yeah, this is brilliant. And his stomach actually had put him into hospital any number of times. It was a really serious complaint. Um, but God had moved. The pain had gone. The difficulty he had with it had gone. That was because the Holy Spirit was there, actually. When the Holy Spirit moves, we can expect signs and wonders. And also we see the Lord added that to their number daily, those who are being saved. When the Holy Spirit moves, the church grows. That's important because sometimes we can be a bit snobby about numbers. We think, oh, it's all about the community. It doesn't matter if it grows or anything like that. But actually, when the Holy Spirit is at work in a church, people become Christians and the church grows. That's our big prayer for CCMs. One of the reasons we wanted to do this uh, Renewal for Revival conference actually is to... to force ourselves to pray and ask God, we want the church in this city to grow. We want to see people become Christians in our city. We want to see people give their lives to Jesus for the first time. It's really important. So the Acts 2 church is, is dynamic. Initiatives fire off very quickly, inspired and prompted by the Holy Spirit. We also see immense bravery. They rejoice when they are beaten and thrown into jail. If I was to be beaten and thrown into jail, rejoicing wouldn't be at the top of the list of my emotions, I don't think. But the Holy Spirit is at work in them. They're so excited by what they're involved in. And it becomes messy and complicated as well. As we read through Acts, we see they make mistakes. Some of them fall out with each other and have arguments and then are reconciled to each other. The Holy Spirit drives the good news of Jesus. And it does exactly what Jesus said he would do. It drives it into Jerusalem, then into Judea, then to Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. Or perhaps another way to think about it is the Holy Spirit drives them into Manchester, then Greater Manchester, then the UK, then the ends of the earth. So as a church, CCM, we've um, existed for, I don't know now, I've been here 13 years, I don't know about before that. I think about 15, 16, 17 years we've existed 
as a church. And originally, uh, we were in Hyde, a group of about 12 of us in a, a house in Hyde, um, which is now what the Gorton Church is, actually. Uh, and out of that Gorton Church, we planted into Fallowfields. And then out of that, we planted uh, what is now Lady Barn. And then out of that, there was the Heatons. Uh, and then came Reddish. And then came our, our Spanish-speaking group. And we're hoping for more. We're hoping for the city centre, I'm praying about, also to plant into Denton as well. I would love to see a church there as well as praying for opportunities in European cities. Uh, We want to do that because I think that's what the Holy Spirit wants. The natural thing for a church to do is to grow. And actually, when we think about Pentecost Sunday, we need to think of it as a bit of an invitation to us. This isn't just a one-off event, actually. It's an invitation to us. It asks a little bit of a question of us as well. Do you want to be in an Acts 1 church? Or do you want to be an Acts 2 church? What does Jesus call us to? Actually, he calls us to pray and wait to be an Acts 2 church, to see power poured out, to see an engine put in the car. And actually, if we look at the world today, we look at the billions of believers that there are, millions of churches, all of them are rooted in that Acts 2 moments, in the Holy Spirit being poured out. We exist as a church because of that moment. 